0: This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK.
1: BBC Sounds.
0: Music, radio, podcasts. Hello, I'm Helen Mark and thanks for downloading this episode of Radio 4's Open Country podcast, a series that brings you fascinating stories from every corner of the UK countryside. We hope you enjoy it. Isn't it lovely? You come out this metal belly of the ferry boat and you come out into the bright light and the glistening water and the fresh greenness of the trees. I love these moments when you arrive somewhere new, just open your eyes to a whole new way of life. I've travelled across the centre of Mull and I've come to the north-west coast and it's here over a very narrow stretch of water that I can see Alva. Now, this week's Open Country is about Ulva because it is an island that needs more islanders. I look at it now, the most beautiful day, sun shining, clear skies, glistening waters. There are pleasure boats about the place. The fishermen are busy down on the quay. It's very idyllic. Currently, it has five inhabitants, three adults, two children, and it has been bought for the community of North West Mull and that's why I'm starting not on Ulva but here on Mull to find out why this small island of Ulva is such a big story for the whole of Scotland. I'm just watching passengers disembark from one of the sea safari tours that goes out from here and the skipper of this particular boat is Colin Morrison he's just tying up the lines now
2: Hello, how are you doing? And
0: where have you been and um, what did you see on the we tour? We
2: have just been out to Staffa and the Treshnish Isles. The main thing that we're out there to see is puffins, really, in the Treshnish Isles, but see lots of other things today. We had uh, common dolphins on the way out, seals, all sorts of things like that. So that's what we saw today. Do you want to come and sit on the boat to do this? I think that would that be lovely,
0: that, yeah. yeah. I want to find out a little bit about this community buyout. Okay. But first of all, what's your connection to the island's?
2: We've been running out of Alva Ferry, which is the little port that people it's on go across Mall. to on Mull, but just across from Alva. Born and brought up on Mull as well, so I'm aware of a lot of the issues.
0: So explain then, how did the community buyout come about?
2: Well, the island was put up for sale in May 2017. It was a bit of a, a quick uh, get together of a few folk just to discuss it. We and those we... few
0: folk, though, just to explain, were already uh, part of a community. Yeah, well,
2: we're. I'm the chairman of the snappily titled as We've got Northwest Mull Community Woodland Company Limited.
0: You're Northwest Mull and there is a, a strip of water, albeit yes. not very far, yeah. between so you and all the, but you still feel it is part of the same community?
2: Absolutely. It is the same community. All the people over there use the school, they use the shops. It's the same communication links. To all intents and purposes, it's part of the broader Northwest Mull area.
0: It was this community group you're describing yes. that made the decision mm-hmm. to put a bid in to buy Alva when it came on to the market. That's right. The Laird, uh, Jamie Howard, was selling That's right. and moving on. Yeah,
2: so people thought it was really good to investigate the possibility of buying it. And then you, you go through a process and you have to put a, a plan together. And then eventually you have a ballot a little bit later on. And that ballot was two thirds to one third in favour in the community, so...
0: So it was quite a complicated process. and Part of that was you needed funding.
2: We had to apply to the land fund. There's £10 million a year put in for community right to buy and for communities to buy stuff. So it's there anyway. If we didn't buy this, uh, that money would be spent buying land somewhere else for another community we had to prove that people wanted us to do it in the area and also make a business case that's stacked up as well the purchase was on midsummer's day 2018 so we just had a little party there in 2019 on midsummer's evening and it was an evening like this it was it was beautiful Beautiful. it was amazing Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah what is the intent then for
2: all of them. So the main driver for it, as far as I'm concerned, is repopulation. There was a campaign, I think it was 2011, where it looked like the council were going to close the school here. That really got everyone to sit up and and take notice that once a school in an area as rural as this closes, then there's no going back, really. You're not going to reopen it. Young families leave or won't move in because it's just too far to send them anywhere else. So to keep the community vibrant and living, we need to have... Houses. We need to have a balance of people. It's of course I want to be able to retire in a beautiful place as well, but we can't have only retired people in in these places and holiday homes. So bearing in they mind, they, like there were thirty people across there only twenty twenty five years mm-hmm. ago, and now there's five. So there's half a dozen houses before we even start building new ones that we can do up and get people in.
0: Now and everything forth. that you're wanting to do is going to cost money. So mm-hmm. you, you you got the money to yes. buy the island uh, four point.
2: £4.5 yes, give or take.
0: Um, But now you need money to invest.
2: Well, the idea is to, in part, be enablers of business opportunities rather than necessarily setting everything up. But yes, of course, we'll have to really borrow some for some parts of it.
1: You
0: mentioned there's been a lot of interest.
2: We carried out a, a survey with Highland Small Communities Housing Trust and we had over 500 people interested now, Not every single person of the 500 people is going to be an appropriate or the right person to be over there. But there's global interest. Yeah. yeah
0: because people but will ask, is that worth e, it? You know, for yeah. a, a small population, yeah. even if it does double or triple, it's still uh, going to be a small
2: population. Yeah, but it's also it's now open and accessible for everyone forever. It's not just us and just the community. Important though that yeah. is, it's a broader picture than that. And that's land reform generally is yeah. is um, heading in that direction, isn't it? It's about making sure that the best value of the resources goes to the the biggest amount of people. Obviously going to be some folk for a whole host of reasons that didn't think it was the the best idea, but we had a huge amount of support here. And like I said, across the island and across the country, and in fact across the globe, really, we've had a huge amount of support.
0: Why across the globe you get support for Uh, 4,500 acres of
2: Scotland? So (laughs) the Macquarie connection is very important there. Lachlan Macquarie, who's the one of the founding fathers of Australia, was born at Ormeg, just over, over there, so it was fortuitous for us that uh, there was a lot of interest in that and they helped us out a little bit with, with buying it, which was great.
3: There on the left you can see the mausoleum and Mole Historical and Archaeological Society have a watching brief on the mausoleum, so every now and again I come down and take some photographs, send them off to the National Trust for Scotland. If there's any work to be done, uh, they have to apply to the National Trust for... I think it's New South Wales. I can see there's bits of uh, green on the roof which probably needs to be cleared away. So, Anne Cleave, you've got your camera to the ready
0: to do that job. I should just use my phone, yeah. I, I find it quite strange because we came through onto Mull... We've driven up, we've come into beautiful forest land, shoulder high bracken, and then an area is clear here with a large, um, it's up to my shoulder height, dry stone wall. And then in the centre, on a beautifully mown lawn, stands a squat
3: grey stone building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the burial place of Major General Lachlan Macquarie, who is known as the father of Australia. It's also got the remains of one of his sons and his baby daughter.
0: We're here to talk about Alva, but in some ways we're going to start here on Mull because part of the story of the island is in this mausoleum.
3: Lachlan was born on Alva. Um, his parents were cousins of the then laird of Alva, whose name was also Lachlan Macquarie. He left Olver and moved over to Laganolver on the Mole side uh, with his parents when he was about 16. A lot of the highlands and islands were overpopulated at this time, second half of the 18th century, and there was a population of 700 on the island of Olver. Um, The kelp industry had uh, collapsed. Um, Kelp was um, used for soap-making and in glass-making, Um, but imports had made it unviable to gather kelp uh, down the west coast. And then a few years later, a potato famine struck. So what we're looking at there is part of the depopulation of Ulva.
0: But you also dropped in that Lachlan Macquarie was
3: the father of Australia. Well, he had an illustrious um, career in the forces. The penal colony uh, in and around Sydney was full of unemployed, uh, riotous, uh, drunks. Those people who had money encouraged the drunkenness because they were importing rum at very high cost. And uh, Lochlan was a pure humanist and decided that he would make sure that um, things were turned round. So he encouraged couples to get married, he encouraged them to go to church on Sundays and he made it mandatory for convicts to go to church as well. He changed the nature of
0: the place. He did. And he came from the island of Olver. It came he came from to, Olver. He yeah. came
3: from Olver. I mean, that's the remarkable thing.
0: So as we stand here and we're looking back on that piece of history, what and how is it connected... To the community
3: buyout of Ulva now. Lots and lots of people who come from Canada and Australia want to come and see the mausoleum, but they also want to go to Ulva to see where their forebears came from, from these cleared villages. And the, the villages weren't necessarily cleared to put the sheep on, they were cleared because the people were starving and they couldn't sustain themselves on Ulva. Mm. So um, the people of Australia feel a really, really strong connection to Ulva because of Lachlan Macquarie. Nothing is ever
0: straightforward. It's complex. Nothing is ever black and white. It's There are all shades of
3: opinion and, and it's quite complicated. It is, it is. You know, when, when finance is so tight in all sorts of areas, such as education and health... And people say, well, you know, there's only five people living on over now. Isn't that rather a lot of money to spend on them? But that's not what the money's being spent on. It's being spent on the island. It's not a case of people saying, oh, terrible
0: landlord, you know, Laird, get rid of the Laird and everything will be fine. It's, it,
3: no. it is not like that. No, it's- There were several expressions of interest to buy Ulva, but when they looked at it, it needed a huge amount of capital expenditure to get it up and running again. And so the only option was for the community buyout. Well, unless they were going to keep the island for themselves. You can't just enclose an island and say, this is my island and this is it, because people want to go. They want to go and look at the Clark Memorial. They want to go and see Sheila's Cottage. They want to go and see the little church. They want to see the abandoned villages. They want to go to the cave and see where things were found. It's just a big magnet.
0: I've come back to Ulva Ferry, still on the island of Mull. And I'm at the strip of water between here and Ulva. And it's barely, what, 300 metres across. There's a wooden panel on the side of this building. And I just reach up and you slide it over like that and it reveals a piece of red paint and that is the signal to the ferryman on Ulva to come over and pick me up and look instant response reach out your hand this is Donald Munro the ferryman good morning. good morning well how many years have you been doing
2: this I've been on the ferry for 27 years but I applied for the job 6 years before that and I never got it <laughs> so I had to come back and try again when the last ferryman left and I got the job so I've and been you here lived on the
0: a... island when you were doing that
2: 12 years I stayed in the ferry house mm-hmm. and then I moved out to let another family move in.
0: And is that your son? And My family? son's eventually
2: back in the house now.
0: Do you miss not living on the island?
2: Yes, in a way, yeah, but um, it's the next generation's turn to, to try and get their feet on the ground and make things better.
0: And are you looking forward to more people well, bringing life to this place? Yes, that's essential. Yeah? Yeah, bring
2: life back into the island.
0: The dominant feature as you land at the quay is this small whitewashed cottage and small restaurant. Well it's called the Boathouse, house, which obviously is obviously its original use. And I'm just gonna go in and meet one of the owners, Rebecca Munro. For <laughs> I saw your
1: kids clambering off the ferry at the other side. Yeah, yeah, they get the ferry to school every day. Alva primary is actually on mull, which confuses people.
0: You're the only business and you're the only family. You must be more keen than anybody to get families living on the island? I mean, we're
1: looking for a mix of people and obviously we've got housing for a mix of people but definitely for me personally to have other children here for them to spend time with in the evening because like last Friday we had our first anniversary celebration so there was lots of kids over and they just played all night and it's so nice for them to be able to share their island with other children and for other children to enjoy it. It's almost like something (laughs) out of a storybook that but there's a very strong sense of connection to this place My sister-in-law, Emma, she was tracing their family history and she knew that there was a link from her mum's side to Alva. but Donald's actually from down near Lomond and they found that in the 16th century there was actually three generations of his family born in Alva.
0: We'll head outside actually because it's a shame to to (laughs) miss the good weather. But when you say, you know, you were, it was great to, to discover that connection, when you think of the diaspora of people from islands over the centuries, not just the clearances,
1: it's probably not a surprise that there are that many. When we have visitors to the island, we've got three main groups. We've got walkers, we've got wildlife enthusiasts, and then we've got people who are wanting to trace their ancestors. What were your thoughts when they were first talking about the community
0: buyout? Because, you know, it was owned privately yeah. and now... Am I right in saying
1: you just have a different landlord? When there was a prospect of a new private buyer, we were really concerned because it was looking like the island would be closed off to the public and uh, our leases would be terminated. So that was a huge worry for us. But now, yes, technically the community is our landlord, but at the same time, Rudy and I both sit on the board of directors for the Woodland Company, and I'm the chair of the Alva subcommittee now, so... We have a say and an input into everything that happens here and we're involved in all the decisions. If we want to stay here forever and if our kids want to come back here when they're older, that's open to them, which wasn't before. Especially somewhere like here where there's a lack of affordable housing and it's difficult to rent and house prices are so high. Opportunities like this where we're going to be providing housing for people and business opportunities will make a huge difference to a rural area like ours. What do you, particularly living on the island, you have a certain quality
0: of life. Yeah. How would you describe what that quality of life is and how
1: then do you bring other people in? We're not as isolated, I think, as maybe some people think. You know, we have 4G, you know, we go to the shops and we have Netflix, so all that is similar. But then at the same time... I think particularly the kids still have a freedom now that I think most children don't have. They want to be outside playing where a lot of other kids would maybe be inside in the computer, but because it's safe for them to be outside, they spend their lives outside, which is really nice. What's got to happen to make the island viable then? Our priority from the outset was the refurbishment of the existing houses. Like everything, it never moves as fast as you'd like it to. We did our housing survey and we had about 600 expressions of interest for people moving to the island. So that will be the kind of next task once some of the renovations are done, figuring out how we then allocate those houses. So we'll need our allocation policy and everything like that. Mm But you're going to have to share this place. You could suddenly have competition for your restaurant. Even when I first moved here, there was another three or four of the houses lived in, and when Rudy grew up here, there was more than 30 people living on the island. It's just been in the last few years, it's gone down to just five people. It will be difficult, I'm not going to lie. You know, It's quite nice having the place to yourself. <laughs> but at the same time, it's really depressing to see empty houses sitting when there's people desperate for housing. It won't be easy, but I think there will be Plenty of people that live in here does suit. When I moved here when I was 19 and people must have thought, oh, what's wrong with her? <laughs> but I love it, you know. It's it's a special place. When you want to get away from the crowds,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: you know, yeah. well, <laughs> yeah. relatively
0: speaking,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> where do you go? So there's a place on the island called Starvation Point. So it's a row of houses where when the clearances were taking place, the members of the community who were either too old or too sick to be cleared from the island, were basically sent to just exist. There's just something poignant about there, particularly when we were going through the whole buyout process, and we struggled with it a lot as a family, because we were in the spotlight, and there's a lot of pressure on you, and there was a lot of negative stuff in the press, and it was really difficult. That's just an area where I can go and be by myself and reflect, and I think being there and being reminded that when the clearances happened, there was nothing they could do about it. But we're in a position where there was legislation and the Scottish Land Fund existed and we had a way to almost fight back and say, do you know what? No, the people who live in Alva, North West Malt, are the people who should be in charge of this place. It's for the future and the people who live here in the future and for our kids. But at the same time, it's also a bit for the people who couldn't do anything about being forced to leave. So Starvation Point for me is a really significant place in the island.
0: Spread the map out on the table.
4: This is a map of uh, over b- before the clearances. Before the clearances, there were 600 people living on the island. Our ambition is not to have 600 people living on the island again spread through 16 it townships. Was o- it
0: was overpopulated, it was very <coughs> hard to sustain. Uh, ab- ab- abso-
4: absolutely right.
0: Well, I'm sitting outside the boathouse with John Addy, a retired <coughs> marine biologist. i a marine biologist a long time but, ago. Mm, but you <laughs> are uh, one of the volunteer directors on yeah. the North West Mull...
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> North West Mull Community Woodland Company Limited. Uh, well, <laughs> Should we go and explore a little bit? Yeah, let's do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These, these signposts are worth a, a comment. I had some larch, so I, I, I planed it up, and Rebecca got stuck into them with the router and did <laughs> 70. <laughs> on the kitchen table
0: It's a good example of so, how on an island you have to be able you know, to turn your hand to all so. sorts of things So we're quite close to the shore and then the, the land rises quite steeply behind us We just have to trample the, the, the nettles metal? out of the way I do like the door knocker though, a lion's head
4: The condition is typical of the houses on the island They need basically stripping right back and starting again. Many of them need re-roofing as well. And we're determined that when we do it, we're going to do a proper job. Oh, there's
0: still books on the bookshelf. There's mm. <laughs> still the human presence here, isn't there? I love
4: that. There is in all the houses, yeah. yeah, which is quite touching.
0: How, though, do you make this place economically viable?
4: So, for example, we're going to have a look in a minute at the hostel. We're going to get that going again. We're going to get a campsite going next to the hostel. We're going to get, try and get the oyster farm going again. Once we've got people living on the island, never mind the visitors, they're going to want somewhere to eat. Our intention is to facilitate. So we're not going to run the hostel. We'll provide the opportunity for someone to come in and run it for us. When we get around to building new houses, some of those will be for owner-occupiers. We'll be selling plots, but we'll put a burden in the title. We could, for example, have a residency requirement that they have to spend so many months of the year on the island, and we could have a a preemptive right to buy back. If they ever choose to sell it on, so we can make sure it stays within the benefit of the community.
0: We're walking through this lush grass, and it's dotted with thousands of buttercups.
4: We've driven up through the, the policy woodland up onto the hill. It rises to just short of a thousand feet at the highest point, and we're looking along the the main road to to Gometra, to the far end, across what used to be township sort of cultivated land and grazings and is now covered with bracken. We do have ambitions to get cattle back on here, to get rid of the bracken as well.
0: Especially when you come out of the bracken, you can see the potential in the short grass. Look at the wild mountain thyme there, that mm. beautiful, vivid lilac. There are daisies and, and the small dandelions. But this is a wonderful viewing point. Mm-hmm. We can see the east-west length of, of the island and the Ulvis Sound and then Mull Beyond. It is very special. You see, in repeopling a place like this, do you also have in mind protecting what is a very diverse natural habitat?
4: Uh, Absolutely. In in fact, we hope we will enhance that biodiversity. We're looking at the left here. It's one of the the, the, uh, native broadleaf woodland schemes that was put in by the previous owner, and we're hoping to put a fourth block in at the far end. You're
0: a year in now, but it's just the tip of the iceberg, really.
4: It's in community ownership now forever, we hope. So there isn't actually a huge rush. Of course, we're very impatient to get some of the the key things, housing, but actually, it can take its time.
0: A lot of incomers to islands like this are not from Scotland. So how Scottish do you want to keep over?
4: I think people come here, they do stuff, they get involved in the community and they absorb quite a lot of the culture and the history. You can't live in a place like this and not be interested in a move by that we're not trying to reverse the clearances well, it's an important historical context of course and it's it's not far from a lot of people's minds but that's not what this is about it's not it's about positively going forward and uh, finding a new social and economic future for the island
0: how important is it for scotland i'm thinking too because there was a lot of publicity over this sale and it was very much part of a political narrative
4: without that political agenda. We, this whole thing couldn't have happened. We didn't approach it as a political movement ourselves, though. It's, this is about the future of the island. The fact that it plays into that bigger picture is absolutely fine. Over the next 20 years, the population of this area, you know, of working-age people between the age of 16 and 65, is going to decrease by 35% over the next 20 years, unless something is done about it.
0: And you think a small island can be part of that very big
4: story. Absolutely, yeah. We can easily see our way to 50 people living on the island in 20 years or so. And we can make that happen because it's a community-owned island. We can make it happen here, and that's really important.
0: I've just boarded back onto the the small ferry, this metal boat, Donald's at the engine there, and it'll just take a few moments to come back. Well, I can't call it the mainland, but it sort of feels like that from the the, the the beauty, the smallness, the intimacy of Ulva. It's been quite a discovery, actually, of our history and what potential places have for the future. I think Ulva's got a really, really bright one. The thing is to come back, is it not?